All right, welcome back to the Big Texas Podcast presented by Texas Young Republicans. I'm your host, Jordan Overturf, bringing to you a surprise fourth episode in our series interviewing candidates in House District 47. Uh, I am so grateful for Jennifer Fleck making time to come down to RPT headquarters and sit down with us so we can release release these podcasts all together. Uh, I had a great chat with her, but before we get to that, and uh, I want to remind you that next week early voting starts for the special election runoffs in House District 28 and HD 148. That's Houston and Fort Bend County. Gary Gates is running in HD 28 and a highly visible, uh, maybe not so contested, but certainly highly visible race where a lot of national Democrats are swooping in and they're trying to help out the candidate there. Uh, and then over on HD 148, we have Louis LaRota, friend of the podcast, who is running to turn that district blue for the first time ever, or turn it blue, turn that district red, turn that blue district red. That's what we're trying to do in HD 148. Louis LaRota uh, is working hard there, Houston young Republican veteran, all around good guy. So uh, just a reminder, again, if you live in Houston or the Fort Bend County areas, there are two Republican candidates running in a special election runoff. Early voting starts January 21st. Election day is January 28th. Now, for the rest of the candidates, uh, a reminder, if you would like to come on to the Big Texas Podcast, you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Big Texas Podcast, or make sure you're following Texas Young Republicans on Facebook, or you can go to our website, texasyr.gop, or you can send me an email, communications at texasyr.gop. I want to interview as many candidates as possible before the primary on March 3rd, so uh, if you're available either via phone or to come in uh, here in Austin or if I can come to you and uh, see a little bit of the state, I'm all for that as well. So let's try and get connected and try and make this work out. My guest today, Jennifer Fleck, is one of five Republicans running in the primary for House District 47. And I actually uh, met uh, Jennifer during the session when she was doing some legislative advocacy relating to the sex ed curriculum for our children. And she's going to talk about that in depth, but I really appreciate her again, uh, coming in on short notice to, uh, RPT sitting down with me and really talking about what sets her apart from the rest of the candidates in this race. So I'm going to let her take it from here. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Miss Jennifer Fleck. who you are, where you come from, maybe give us a quick, uh, you know, rundown on your background and experience. Okay. Um, my name is Jennifer Fleck. I'm running for state representative in House District 47, which is Western Travis County. I am a fifth generation Texan. I've lived here in my entire life. I grew up in Fort Worth, raised my kids pretty much in Houston, and now I live here in Austin. I um, got my accounting degree from UTA in Arlington in 1994. And I got a law degree from South Texas College of Law in 2000, and I've been practicing law since then. I am general counsel for an oil and gas services company right now. However, I spent the first 15 years of my professional lawyer life um, defending small businesses in court and an appellate court. And I have three children. 
The youngest is in high school. I've been married for 23 years. I'll be 50 this year. And I, in 2012, I got involved in politics, quote unquote, didn't know that that's what I was doing. Um, when I was asked if I would help some public school parents, because my children were in private school, um, I was asked if I would help them remove a graphic sex education curriculum from the middle schools in Sci-Fair ISD. Now, that's a, a, we'll get more into that issue in particular, but, you know, what specifically uh, caused you to jump into to this race? You know, uh, there's so many reasons to get involved into politics these days, but, you know, what was kind of the thing that really got you engaged in wanting to do things from the, the elected official side? Okay. So in 2013, I came to the Capitol to testify on a bill that would have prohibited Planned Parenthood from teaching sex education in the schools. And since that time, I've stayed involved in that issue. I learned very quickly that, unfortunately, sex education is a partisan issue, that Democrats, unfortunately, every single one of them votes one way and every single Republican votes another way. So my um, Republican allegiance um, was concreted during these last uh, seven or eight years. And then most recently in 2019, I wrote three bills that were all um, filed by three different legislators in the Texas House and Senate. And I lobbied those through as an activist. And um, every week I felt less represented um, every week, I felt less supported, not only by the Democrats, of course, but also even by my own party. And um, I just believe that we need, A, more females in the House, and we need a cons conservatives to serve in the House and in the Senate so that the people can be represented. So what's the quick snapshot of that, uh, those bills that you wrote? Okay, so House Bill 3135 was, rep was filed by Representative Kane. It would have deleted the affirmative defenses in the Texas Penal Code for obscenity to a child. There are affirmative defenses for education, science, the medical profession, um, House Bill 3730 was filed by Representative Valerie Swanson. It would have required the vendors of the state to filter their content for pornographic images that is sold to K through 12 schools. And then House Bill 1012 and Senate Bill 734, which is Senate Bill is uh, Senator Hughes and Representative Bohack, his committee substitute. Anyway, those bills are very similar and it would have increased parent transparency in regards to sex education. It would require the schools to make the curriculums more available online because there are a lot of parents that are busy and can't come into a specific appointment. And also it would have required the schools to have open meetings so that they can't hide what they're doing. Now, now that you uh, bring up these policies, I do remember uh, us having a conversation about this. And, you know, sadly, it didn't seem like those bills gained much traction uh, in the legislature. Uh, well, one of them, uh, thirty-one thirty, the first bill I mentioned made it through committee, a Democrat chaired committee, which is huge, made it to calendars, died in calendars. Um, Senate, or House Bill 3730, the second one I mentioned, um, made it through committee, made it through calendars, made it to the floor, died on the floor on the last day. And then Senate Bill 784, 734, I just can't remember the number now, uh, made it through the Senate partisan and then um, 
we couldn't get a hearing in the house in public education. Yeah. And for people who didn't kind of follow any of the brouhaha that uh, came up in the last year, you know, Austin ISD's sex education program really got uh, some parents pretty uh, riled up about the things that they think are okay to be teaching uh, our children. You know, as you go out on the campaign trail and you're talking to voters about this, you know, what is their response? Um, irate hostility. Uh, so Austin ISD Board of Trustees adopted the worst curriculum that I've ever seen, and I've seen a lot. Um, they adopted it unanimously on October 28th against a lot of parent pushback. It um, begins to ask third and fourth graders to stop using the words boy and girl, mom and dad. In addition to graphic sex, sex education, it now is promoting and advocating gender confusion, and that's what it is, asking kids to think about their gender expression and their gender identity and their sexual orientation at very, very young ages. So um, I, everybody is upset <laughs> because children are being sacrificed on the altar of an agenda. Um, we would love for the state leadership to get involved. Austin ISD is a big school district and we should be concerned about what's being taught to public school children um, in addition I'm also being approached by feminists who are opposed to boys or boys who identify as girls participating in girl sports or boys identifying as girls um, being allowed to be in girls' locker rooms. Mm -hmm. So I actually have a very broad audience across HD 47 that this concerns and concerns moms and dads and Republicans and feminists who typically identify as a Democrat. Now, that was a huge issue in the 85th legislature and uh, as far as bathroom bill or kind of leading down that that pathway, uh, you know, and yet we, we didn't see much uh, discussion on that this session do you think that that's a topic that is gonna uh, come back up in the next legislative session I do think it's gonna come back up and I think we've lost ground because we haven't been able to successfully push back on this agenda to confuse gender so what used to be a bathroom bill now is being introduced to eight and nine-year-olds that should offend somebody who's willing to lead fearlessly and champion social conservative principles. Yeah, I know quite a few people that when the Austin ISD uh, decided to make that policy change that it, it got them pretty riled up. So I, I would be shocked if that didn't come up in the next session. Um, and, and I want to come back uh, to this issue uh, of what we are exposing our children to. But uh, before we get back into that, uh, what are some of the other issues that voters are, are talking to you about? Well, um, believe it or not, I'm mostly talking to Republican primary voters because just for strategic purposes, because mm -hmm. that's where we're going to a primary election. Um, the average age of a primary voter in my district is 65. And surprisingly, they are not, I don't know about surprisingly, but a lot of times they want to talk to me about board, border security. Yep. Um, they care about it mm -hmm. and they care about like, what are we doing and what can the state do about it? And the federal government has mostly the control on the border, but we can do some things. We had two bills this session 
One made it through the Senate, one made it through the House, and they each died when they went to the other house or the other side. Both of those bills, according to uh, the Border Patrol, would have been helpful. So we need to get those bills passed because our people people care about that. Do you remember what they were uh, in reference to specifically? I don't remember the numbers, but um, Senator Campbell okay. filed a bill to uh, eliminate or to begin to eliminate the Carrizo cane. And then Representative Biederman introduced a bill to um, allocate funding to infrastructure along the border. Mm-hmm. Both of those bills died, and they shouldn't die because... That's what the people want. We're supposed to be responsive to the people. So, uh, and that's separate from some of the other boost in funding that like DPS got for more, uh, you know, troops uh, or more um, uh, troopers on the border as well as boats and and, uh, things like that. Um, But in addition to that, when I talk about, when I go to the door and I've knocked like 2,500 doors mm -hmm. myself, when I go to the door and talk to people about what I care about, um, they immediately are with me and align with me and they understand like I understand that we are going to lose a generation of of kids because they are being brainwashed by revisionist history social emotional learning sex education and gender confusion and these are the students that will be governing us one day and that's what everybody needs to remember and if they're governing confused and manipulated and deceived nothing else is going to matter. Yeah. And that was a discussion on an earlier podcast is that uh, more and more in the school curriculum, they're starting to try and influence children while they're still in the right brain, emotional response way of thinking. And that's what's sort of kind of led the generation to lose its way and look at these issues and say, well, that makes me feel good so I can support it. And, you know, oh, that makes me feel bad. So clearly it's wrong. But there's no nuance in the discussion. Uh, You know, as you move forward, you know, uh, through the process, you get past the primary and you're looking at November. How do you engage voters and get them to put aside the emotional response and really look at the policies that are changing and shaping our culture? Well, in the general, I know that I can motivate and inspire and infuse Republicans because I am a social conservative and I am a fiscal conservative till I die. And, but I also think that the things that I care about, the things that really keep me up at night, which is what I've been talking about this, this whole time that speaks to moms and um, my district is mostly families and I mean and and moms care about these things no matter if you're a Republican or Democrat and it also speaks like I said earlier to feminists voters who may have in the past identified as a Democrat and so I still believe, and maybe it's just because I want to believe, I still believe that HD 47 is a conservative district. However, based on 2018, we are a 50-50 district. And I think that I can, without compromising principle, I think I can win the independent swing and soft Democrats. So what are some of the issues that, uh, some of the other issues that you think that specific group of voters uh, are engaging on? Well, so there are some issues, um, sex education is not one of them, but there are some issues that are typically carried by Democrats in the House and in the Senate that I really care about because they have to still do with children and families. So, for instance, I am for Raise the Age, um, which raises the uh, age for um, 
to be treat to be uh, treated as an adult from 17 to 18 mm-hmm. and criminal prosecution correct yes yeah so i'm for that that's mm-hmm. typically a democrat carried bill and and um i'm for that also i'm for a bill that's called second looks uh, or second lookers which is also a criminal um has to do with criminal law but it would allow the courts to, or it would allow um, those incarcerated as a teenager to be given a look at 20 years after being incarcerated for 20 years rather than having to wait to 40. Just a look um, so that they can be offered probation. That is typical, that is always carried by a Democrat. I'm for that, I'm a Republican. And so it's bills like that that I think that I hope to work together on that, that so we can make a difference. There's bill, we only, this is how I say it, we only meet every other year. <laughs> I want to get stuff done. I don't want to talk about bills that don't matter, that aren't saving lives and saving families and that really matter. And there's just so much wasteful time um, during those five months every other year. So I'm, I, I'm uber efficient um it's kind of ingrained in me and it's probably going to be the death of me in the legislature but that's i'm coming in as a as an efficiency like i have to have it efficiency excellent well i know a lot of young republicans are going to be pleased to hear you take up that criminal justice reform side of things you know that's a big part of our platform and uh something we're looking for in candidates uh as we talk about families right uh it seems like there has been a decrease in the value placed on our homes, our families, the parent, the parental structure, more and more schools uh, feel empowered or entitled to have an overruling say on how we're raising our children. Do you think we can address this issue legislatively or do we need kind of a more broad conversation going on uh, about how things are are going i mean there's a lot of little tweaking i think that we can do which is like for instance i'm not for full day funded Mm pre-k i'm not anybody who thinks that dropping their three-year-old off at a government school is safe is wrong and i love teachers my very best friends are teachers but the schools get it wrong a lot and Three-year-olds are babies, so I'm not for full-day pre-K. I think that that was a mistake. And um, I'm for, I'm very interested in, for instance, equal parenting, looking at those, that kind of bill. You know, I I need to see the wording on the bill, but I think fathers are very, very important part of a home. And um, I think the family courts maybe are getting it wrong. So giving them some additional guidance and allowing dads to, continue to play that that important vital part of 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 child's life yeah you're talking about a post-divorce setting you know giving fathers a more even footing because texas traditionally you know sides with the mother in those cases right correct unless there's a reason to do so um i think it's important to keep dads in the home and you can look at all the statistics i mean there's not a one single statistic out there that doesn't prove that fatherless homes are part of our problems mm-hmm. our societal problems so that would be one area that i would definitely be interested in looking at with younger voters being being more and more part of the conversation you know how do we reach them when they tend to lean so far to the left on social issues well i don't know if i believe that 
the younger population leans far left on social issues. I think that might be a lie. Um, I've read that um, this next generation is the most pro-life generation in, in recent history. So to me, that is a very conservative stance to be pro-life. Um, I think that there's... So I don't, I don't know what you want to talk about, like marijuana. We could talk about marijuana. I'm for medical marijuana. Um, Senator Campbell filed a bill that didn't, that didn't get any attention, but filed a bill where the doctor made a decision about um, how much THC was needed and, and who, who would be able, that would be administered to. Um, and then her bill didn't get any attention and a different bill passed. So I'm more inclined to lean on um, her medical expertise. And so I think as legislators, we all come in with a different expertise and we should lean on that and not assume that we know everything. So the bill that did pass lists like these five conditions mm-hmm. where medical marijuana can be prescribed. Yeah. And who made those up? Like legislators? We don't know anything. I mean, was a doctor consulted? It's just silly. Silliness. So um, I think I can speak to that younger voter. Um, I have a son that's going to be 30 this year. So I do feel like I... Um, I, th- I feel like I still know that generation, that I'm young enough and connected enough where um, I can still speak to them. So where do you think are the biggest hurdles in terms of the Texas House succeeding on these these priority issues for you? I think we need, a con- um, well, this is what I'm praying for, the largest freshman conservative electorate ever. Um, I really think we need conservatives, and I really think we need females. So as you know, as most people know, there are only six Republican females in the House out of 150 members. One of those, most people would say, votes more like a Democrat than a Republican. So we have five. It's just not enough. There's a lot of issues that don't get attention and don't get addressed because they tend to be a more female issue. And so um, I think we need conservatives, and I think we need females, and I think that will make the difference. I'm praying that redistricting doesn't consume and swallow up this next session because I think that there are things that we need to to work on. Well, I know there there is a good group of people who uh, would like to remind the legislature there is other business to attend to in 2021, Uh, but redistricting will be a major topic of conversation. You know, do you have any points uh, or have you taken any positions in terms of how we address this issue, how we draw the maps, you know, I am because I, maybe it's my legal mind, I'm definitely lean toward like logic and reason. And so when I see, um, I think it's more so congressional districts and not so much um, state districts, but when I see some of the con- congressional districts, I, I really wonder, like it's so clearly gerrymandering that um, it's an, like we would be lying if we said anything different. And so... I actually would be inclined to draw them in a more reasonable way, whatever that is. I don't think I'm an expert on that. Um, The house, uh, Travis County is cut up in the six house districts. I'm in the westernmost district. I actually live pretty far west, west (laughs) of my own district. Um, I don't expect, um, honestly, they'd have to draw my district crazy, wonky, for me to still not think that I have a foothold there. Republicans can still have a foothold because it's still a very conservative district. So 
I don't know if that answers your question. Well, what is it about this district that makes you think that it will turn back to a Republican-held district? Um, I think it's still very conservative. So when I look at the school districts, so Lago Vista and Lake Travis are 100% in House District 47. When I look at um, their cl- the kinds of classes they're teaching, um, the sex education that they've chosen, the um, those things that that in my view are very leftist or liberal leaning aren't don't exist as deeply in those two districts. So they're still conservatively held districts. They still have a, um, an older population because they're. Um, pretty far removed from downtown. So a lot of the the residents of those districts either have their own businesses, work from home, or are retired. And so they're they're just far enough from the city where um, they're not as impacted by liberal policies. So I think those two reasons, and then we have only 10% of Austin ISD, which is funny because whenever I start talking about Austin ISD, I start getting um, trollers on my Facebook that say, why don't you worry about your own district? You don't even have hardly any of Austin ISD. Well, because I care about all kids. That's why. Um, And then I have a third of um, Eames, which includes Westlake. And I have a third of Leander, which includes um, Vandergrift. And so I just know the families. I know those schools. I know the kinds of curriculums that they teach. And it that speaks volumes to me that this district is still very conservative. So you talked a lot about you know, getting more women into the Texas house, more conservative women. Uh, and you don't really seem to buy into some of the media narrative uh, about where people lean, uh, particularly either based on age, gender, race, any of that. So I guess uh, my question to you is what is your message to younger women who haven't developed a political ideology, you know, what is your message to them to convince them that, you know, the Republican Party is not, uh, is the place for them? Mm -hmm. I think the bigger problem is that age group doesn't vote. Not that they vote Democrat, but that they don't vote. So I have a 20 year old who's never voted. And when I ask her, why don't you vote? Because I'm like, you know, nagging her all the time. And she thinks, based on the political climate, that her vote doesn't count, that her vote doesn't matter, and that what she says doesn't matter. And so I think it's more so that we have to speak to that and persuade that age group that their vote does matter, that they do matter, and that they should vote, and then why they should vote. Uh, So I think that's more the message that they need to hear. Excellent. Well, I know uh, when I was that age, I paid uh, a lot of attention to politics, uh, but could never really find a candidate that engaged me enough to get out and and cast my ballot. So, you know, maybe that's you, Jennifer Fleck. Maybe maybe this uh, is the start of the new revolution. So uh, as we get ready to wrap up here, uh, you know, you've in a five way race on the Republican side. There's no other candidates here. Here's your chance to talk to voters directly. What is your pitch to the voters of House District 47? My pitch is that um, I've owned a home here since 2005. I am a part of this community. Um, Unlike my opponents, I'm differentiating myself right now. I'm a part of this community. I am a member at Austin Ridge Bible Church. 
I've been teaching middle school girls every week for 20 years. I have been an attorney for 20 years. I have a broad experience um, when it comes to defending businesses all the way to um, enriching a business as general counsel now. I um, have worked on this sex education, gender now gender confusion issue for seven years. Someone, anyone could go to my YouTube channel, which is Fleck, Tech, Jennifer Fleck, Texas Strong, and they could watch testimonies that I've given in front of the State Board of Education, in front of, in the legislature, and at legislative briefings. They can go back seven years and see who I am and what I stand for. So I didn't just come out of the woodwork and decide, because I've always wanted to be a politician, that all of a sudden I want to be a politician. That's not how it happened. I am running for office because I don't feel represented. And we need someone with conservative principles that will fight for us, <laughs> that will be our champion, and that will defend us fearlessly. I am not running for office so that I can get reelected. And I won't serve in office so that I can get reelected. I'm interested in representing children, families, and parental rights, and also the legislative priorities of the Republican Party. So that's why you should vote for me, because I'm the only candidate that strongly stands on all of those things. Excellent. Well, it seems like you're really laser focused on what it is you want to achieve and accomplish if elected to the Texas House. If voters want to find more information about you, what's the best way to, uh, to find you? Website, social media, what's all that stuff? So my website is Fleck, F, F as in Frank, L-E-C-K, FleckTexasStrong.com is my website. Um, FleckTexasStrong at Gmail is my email and um, they can find me on Facebook, Jennifer Fleck. I post a lot of, um, I was never on social media because I'm old. I was never on social media until I decided to run. And so people can go to my Facebook page and it's my history since May, essentially. Nothing else before May. So I only post um, things on my Facebook page that help people know who I am. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. All right. Thank you again to Jennifer Fleck for coming in uh, on last minute notice to be a part of this series. And uh, thank you for all the candidates in HD 47 who came in and talked to us about the issues they're reaching out to voters about. Again, uh, the primary is on March 3rd. Early voting starts on February 18th. So there's not a lot of time between now and uh, the time when voters are going to go out and start casting their ballots. If you would like to come on to the Big Texas Podcast, you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Big Texas Podcast. Uh, make sure and follow Texas Young Republicans on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, be sure you're going to our website, texasyr.gop. We are going to be very active putting out call to actions to young Republicans across the state to make sure we drive out for our Republican candidates. Uh, again, thank you to the HD 47 candidates for indulging me, taking time away from the campaign trail to uh, sit here and talk to you, uh, the listeners, about the issues that they are going to be fighting for should they be elected to the Texas legislature. Uh, we've got many more candidates lined up uh, for the rest of the month, and we're lining up more still before the March 3rd primary. So again, if you want to come on this podcast and you're a candidate, you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Big Texas Podcast. Uh, 
Thank you again so much. Make sure you're subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the podcast, be sure and get, leave us a rating. Uh, I hear that uh, does wonders for our visibility. Uh, and make sure you're just sharing this. This is good info for voters. So uh, help pass it far and wide. Until then, friends, we'll see you down the road. <laughs>